0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Jesus comes and he says, no, the kingdom of God is, is near. It's here now. It's different. You can enter it now. But then he tells us how to enter it. And what does he say? He says, repent and believe the good news. The doors are open for entry. You can come in. How do we get in? Repent and believe the gospel
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, with a message titled, The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: There's a scholarly debate as to who wrote the first gospel, some people used to say Matthew did. Now most scholars think Mark did. The fact of the matter is nobody really knows who wrote the first gospel, and it doesn't doesn't really matter. But Matthew gives us a lot more detail, as Luke does as well, about this temptation of Jesus. But let me just say something about this really quickly as well. Jesus, as the Savior of the world, He's coming into the world as the, Paul would describe him as the last Adam. So there's a picture here. The first Adam, what happens? The first Adam, he's tempted. He succumbs to the temptation and he brings ruin upon the world. But remember, that temptation took place in a perfect environment. It took place in the Garden of Eden. But the serpent came there and tempted Adam. Now Jesus, who is the last Adam, he is following in the footsteps of Adam, in a sense. From Adam to Christ, every single person who had ever come up against the devil was defeated. Every single person, bar none. Even even all the great leaders of, all of God's great servants throughout history, they all were defeated in one way or another by the devil. So now Jesus goes not to a garden, but he goes out into the wilderness. And this would be the wilderness of Judea. That's the place where Jesus goes to have a head on confrontation with the enemy of the human race and the enemy of God, with Satan himself. So Jesus is is tempted these 40 days, Mark tells us. He's there in the wilderness, he's with the wild beast. He is victorious in the temptation. So he's the only person to never be defeated by Satan. And in the end, the angels minister to him. Now, verse 14 says, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So that brings us to our third point. I want to now, let's just look at the message. So like I said, this is Mark's introduction. These first 15 verses, Mark is kind of laying out. This is, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to lay it out for you. Here's the introductory portion. But there's a message here in these verses. And I want us to concentrate now on verse 1 and verse 15. So verse 1, in the beginning, or or, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe, therefore. So the first thing that Mark tells us is this is the beginning of the gospel. Now, most of you know this. I'll remind you, the word gospel means good news. This is the beginning of the good news. If you have an NIV translation, for example, it actually says the good news. That, that's the meaning of the word. So this is the beginning of the good news. So what is the good news? Well, the gospel in a nutshell is this. Listen, there, there's two sides to the gospel. Well, there's the backdrop for the gospel, and then there's the gospel. So the backdrop is, is dark. It's bleak. The, the good news is that Despite this, this bleak situation, God has done something. So, but here it is. The gospel is this. We are more sinful, wicked, broken, and powerless to change our state than we'd ever want to believe. That's the, that's the bad news. But that has to be understood and actually accepted before the gospel is a benefit to us. You see, if, if I don't think that my state is beyond repair, then the gospel means nothing to me because I think I can fix it. I can sort it out or somebody else can sort it out for me. But the message that was brought to us through God's word and specifically by Jesus is that we are more sinful, wicked, broken, and powerless to change than we, than we could ever believe. We somehow are not by ourselves able to believe we're, our state is as bad as it is. But it is that bad. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. We are simultaneously more loved, cherished, and longed for by God than we could ever imagine. So even though we are sinful, wicked, broken, God loves us. That's humanity. God loves this broken humanity. And because of God's love, he did something to remedy our problem. He sent, God the Father sent God the Son on a rescue mission to save us from our sin, to save us from the power of Satan, to save us from ourselves. And so this is the good news. And this is what Jesus now begins to herald. And this is what Mark is gonna communicate throughout the gospel, that Jesus is the one that God sent to fix our problems and that is true for you as a as an individual person and it's true for us collectively as a race of people the, the answer to your problems and the answer to our collective problems is the same answer it's Jesus it, it's him coming and bringing the gospel to us. So that's the gospel. Secondly, Mark says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, let's break that down. Jesus, the name of Jesus is not just a random name. Before he was ever conceived Actually, when Mary was being told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to miraculously conceive a child, he told her this, and you shall name him Jesus. And the the angel that appeared to Joseph told Joseph the same thing. You shall name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus means the Lord or Yahweh is, I think, the best Hebrew way to, the way the Hebrew would have us pronounce it. Yahweh is salvation. That's what Jesus means. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now Christ, now we talk about Jesus Christ all the time, right? Of course, as Christians we do, but even non-Christians talk about Jesus Christ all the time and they use his name as, you know, an expletive in a sense. And, uh, but Christ means the anointed one. And the Hebrew equivalent would be Messiah. So this is the good news about Jesus Christ, about the Lord, our Savior, who is the anointed one, the Messiah. At the time of Jesus, and not just among the Jews, but kind of universally, at the time of Jesus, it's interesting, universally, there was a a longing and and an expectation for a deliverer. You know, mankind has always lived with this sort of internal conviction that somebody's gonna rescue us. Somebody's gonna come and help us. Somebody's gonna sort things out. And that's probably because that's the promise that God gave way back in the beginning. Remember, when God created the human race, He created us in a relationship with him. Something happened that that was broken. It was severed. But God said, I'm going to fix it. How is he going to fix it? He's going to send somebody to do it. So that would become the hope of the nations. That would become the hope of Israel, the hope of a Messiah. One who would be sent from God to right all wrongs and to bring everything back to the way God intended it to be this one would bring about universal righteousness, peace, love, and joy. So that's what people then, especially Jewish people, that's what they were longing for. And that's what Mark is saying has happened. This is the good news. Jesus, the Lord, our savior, the Messiah, the anointed one has come. And then Mark adds this one thing. He adds the son of God, the son of God Now, also, let's understand this. To the people at that time and place, to be the son of God meant to be equal with God. Now, I say that because that's not necessarily the case in our experience, is it? I mean, sometimes people will even say something like this. Well, Jesus is only the son of God. He's not really God. But you see, in in those years, anybody who heard that in those days understood that this was a, a claim to divinity. You couldn't be the son of God and not be God. You have the very nature of God. And of course, the Jews did not believe that a man could be God. So when Jesus claimed to be the son of God, they tried to kill him. John's gospel tells us that there was a point where the religious leaders, they picked up stones to stone Jesus. And Jesus said, many good works I've shown you from my father. For which of these are you going to stone me? And they said, we're not stoning you for a good work. We're stoning you because you, being a man, claim to be God. You keep making yourself equal with God. How was he doing that? By saying he was the son of God. So Mark wants us to understand that Jesus is he's the Lord who is our salvation, literally the Lord who is our salvation. As the prophet Isaiah said, that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh. See, Yahweh himself would come. This was the thing that just in the end would blow everybody's minds and and still in the future will blow everybody's minds because there's coming a day when Jesus who's been long rejected by the nation of Israel, will come back. And guess what they're going to discover? They're going to discover that the God they thought they've been worshiping all these centuries, it's Jesus. He's the one. He's the Lord. He's the son of God. And so this is, of course, what Christians have believed and proclaimed from the beginning. Now, let me emphasize this, because once again, today, you know, we live in a time when there is blatant hostility to uh, the claim that Jesus is God, the only God, that he's the only Savior, that he's the only way to, you know, be forgiven or get right with God. There's blatant hostility, and there's always been hostility toward that. And in different times and places, the, the hostility level has varied. But in our situation, although in the you know many decades that I've been preaching, there, there's always been people who have disagreed with this, not to the level that we have today. But it does make sense if he is indeed who the gospels claim that he is the Son of God. Thirdly and finally, the kingdom. Jesus said, as he began to preach, he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So the time is fulfilled. This was the time. God God set a time to bring the Savior into the world. And he came at that very time. But then Jesus said this, he, so he goes out, now he's the one preaching, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand, or NIV says, the kingdom of God is near. In other words, the kingdom of God is, it's, it's here now. It, it's here for the entry. That's what Jesus began to proclaim. You can enter the kingdom. It's, it's right here, available to you. You can enter it. It's not going to be what you think. At the time, of course, what they thought is that the kingdom is going to be manifest by the king coming, conquering the Romans, destroying them, and establishing the Davidic throne, and exalting us, the people of God, to a place of prominence. That's what they thought. Jesus comes, and he says, no, the kingdom of God is is near. It's here now. It's different. You can enter it now. But then he tells us how to enter it And what does he say? He says, repent and believe the good news. So the message that Jesus went out was the kingdom of God is here. It's available. The doors are open for entry. You can come in. How do we get in? Repent and believe the gospel. Now, this is still true today. And of course, back then they, you know, some did. We need to understand this about the kingdom. Somebody put it like this, and and this is the way we should understand it. The kingdom is already, but not yet. So the kingdom of God is here now. Actually, if you're a believer in Jesus today, that means you're under the lordship. He's your king. You're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. You're, You're living in that realm if you're a believer. But we all know that although that is already the case, it's not yet what it's ultimately going to be, right? So we know that when the kingdom comes in its fullness, that righteousness, that peace, that love, that joy will be universal. But that's not here yet. But it's on its way. But we get to, anybody can experience it personally, And then we end up experiencing it collectively together with one another because we all become citizens of that kingdom. So again, how does that happen? Well, it happens by repenting and believing. Now, repenting and believing. The word repent simply means this, to change your mind. That's the meaning of the word. And the idea is that you're you're thinking or let's just even illustrate it by your direction. You're you're going in the wrong direction. You're going in the direction away from God. Isaiah described it like this in the 53rd chapter. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his or her own way. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. So that's our natural condition. We're like sheep going astray. We turned everyone to his own way. We're going the wrong way. So to repent means we stop and we turn. Now, some people make a big distinction between repenting and believing, but I think they're really, they go hand in hand. You see, if you repent, you repent, you stop and you turn because you believe that this message is true. And likewise, if you believe that this message is true, you're not going to keep going in the wrong direction. You're going to stop and say, no, I, I need to turn. So to repent and believe, Jesus said, that is what we must do. Repent and believe, that brings us into the kingdom. That's how we get into the kingdom. And, and let, me, let me just say this. The kingdom is open and available. Like I said, it's, it's for us today. Now, now, many have entered into it, but some of you perhaps have not but this is a different world. It's a, you know, it's, it's a world within a world in a sense. You know, we live in the material world, but we become the citizens of, of heaven, the kingdom, which is an immaterial world, but but it's very real. And, and we have a different experience. We see differently. We hear what people don't hear. We hear the voice of God. God speaks to us all of these amazing kinds of things. And and I want to emphasize this. The Bible says what happens when we believe in Jesus is we are literally transferred from the kingdom of darkness and we are brought into the kingdom of light. We come out of darkness and we come into the realm of the light. And that's a, that is a a massive transformation. And I want to emphasize that because, you know, there's a lot of confusion today about you know, what it is to, to even be a Christian. And, and, you know, in some cases today, being a Christian has been reduced to just being religious or being a good person or being a, a moral and social conservative and those kinds of things. Listen, that's not it. That's not it. It's something way more radical than that. And meeting Jesus is something that is so radical. Coming to Jesus is something that is so radical that you are literally extracted from the kingdom of darkness, and you're put into a new kingdom. And listen, if you're in the kingdom of God, you're going to know that. You're going to know it. You're going to have different experience. And even though that kingdom of darkness is still there, and even though you're still connected to it, obviously, in certain ways, that's not going to be the predominant thing in your life. That's not going to be the thing that primarily concerns you. That's not going to be the thing you're taken up with. You're going to be taken up with, the, no, I'm part of this kingdom over here. And because you're part of this kingdom, you're going to live like the people in the kingdom live. We live under the authority of the king, under the authority of Jesus, the king. And so... Jesus said it, the kingdom of God is near. It's here, it's available. And, and what was true then for those original hearers of the message, it is absolutely true for us today as well. And Jesus is inviting people today into that kingdom. How do we get there? Repent and believe. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, just stop and turn to the Lord. That's what it means. to Turn to him, just turn to him just like you are. He doesn't tell you, you know, get your act cleaned up, come back and see me later when you got it together. And I want you to see this because sometimes I think we get the wrong idea with repent. Because some people have the idea that repentance is just that. Well, I got to go repent and then I'll believe as soon as I repent. No, they are simultaneous. They happen at the same time. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything because it's a matter of your heart. You just have to stop going the wrong direction, which is away from God, and just simply in your heart say, Lord, I turn to you. I believe this good news. I believe, even though this is, this is probably the hardest thing any of us will ever have to face and admit, it must be faced and admitted, I, I believe I am more sinful I believe I am more wicked. I believe I am more broken than I can even understand. That's a hard thing to say. Because, man, that just goes against all of our pride. We don't want to think we're that bad, right? Well, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm not that sinful. I mean, wicked, wow, that's pretty strong. Maybe I, a couple times I've been wicked. Broken, gee, that sounds like, you know, I don't know if I'm in that category. No, you are. And I am too. This is where we're at. This is reality. And until we face it, the good news, it doesn't affect us. But the moment we face it, the moment we say, that is true about me. The moment we say, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Guess what? That is repenting and believing. That is is what it means to come to Christ. And so... For some today, that's where you're at, and that's what needs to happen. For others of us, we are already in the kingdom. But my question is this, as we close, are we living in the righteousness, peace, love, and joy of the kingdom? Are we living in the righteousness? You know, we're looking at things that Jesus did because we're supposed to live a certain way. As Christians, we, we have a different lifestyle that we are supposed to be living and anyone that tells you, well, no, you can be a Christian, you can live just like you always lived, they're not telling you the truth. That's not true. What, what is true is that there is a righteousness that God requires us to live according to. And the great thing is that he gives us the power to do it. So there is the righteousness and there is the, the love and there is the joy and there is the peace. And so are you living in that? Are you living under the authority of the king? That's what we've been called into. And let's not sell ourselves short of, of anything that God has for us. Let, let's not miss the wonder and the glory and the beauty and just the absolutely amazingness of the fact that man i can live in the kingdom of god today simply by repenting and
0: for the month of june back to basics radio is offering a book titled the gospel by ray ortland with powerful insight and clarity, Ray Ortland presents a grand vision of what the church can be if we embrace the power of the gospel and apply it to our daily experiences and witness for God. The book, The Gospel by Ray Ortland, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1 800 733 6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com.